So continuing on, we are destined to suffer for the Lord's sake. Well, we may not be outwardly persecuted in some countries or some places, but if you're a real true Christian and you've matured enough, most of the people of the world don't really want to fellowship much with you, especially if you live your Christianity. They don't like being around do-gooders. They want people to make them comfortable and tell them they're okay and they're no worse than anybody else. Well, a true Christian can't do this. So they'll separate from us and they'll call us do-gooders and they'll find one little fault and that excuses everything they do. Well, God, God, the Lord's keeping record of this. His wrath on most people will be because of not only coming against his holiness, but in Revelations, it's always because they persecuted and afflicted the true Christian. That's why the wrath's going to be visited greatly, okay? So we're destined. If you don't have outward persecution, then it'll be inward. Your flesh will fight you. You have to put down and crucify the flesh every day. The old man wants his way. He isn't annihilated. Just because you got the new man don't mean the old man goes. That means he has to be kept in his place. The will and the power of the new man can say no to him. He doesn't have to rule, but the will decides what he's going to do. That's our probation. So we're destined, that's suffering for the Lord. Resisting temptation and not giving in is suffering for the Lord. Oh, I, I know I put it down because there's only a few exceptions. Martyrdom is not the greatest thing as people think. Some people are martyred and what, they die in an hour. What about the person who lives 30 and 40 and 50 years resisting the devil? I think he's got something before God. He may get a greater reward. There's only certain martyrdom that God ordains, and then that's his will. But it's not for all Christians. So it's martyrdom to live a long life and not backslide in the world we live in. Because we live in a time of Noah and Lot, and there's going to be few that are saved. And there's going to be a falling away from the true church, not a building, not a denomination, from Christ. He said they'll fall away and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Who? True Christians are going to fall away in dark times if they do not maintain their walk with the Lord. Uh -huh. So whoever we are, we have a spiritual pilgrimage, we have a spiritual warfare until we die or until the Lord comes for us. So people think, well, they can hide in the woods and be a monk and be, well, even if you did that, and even if you were praying and seeking the Lord for the kingdom, the demons will come after your flesh and they're going to provoke you. You can't run from that. You have to overcome it. So there is no temptation, Paul said, that you've experienced that isn't common to man. So everybody resists the world, the flesh, and the devil if he's a Christian. And if he doesn't, he's not an overcomer. And if he's not an overcomer, he's a worthless servant who is rejected by God at the end. So remember that, okay? So these afflictions are to be expected. The world, the flesh, and the devil, or the flesh, the world, and the devil. We are pointed for such testings. Why? 
because our loyalty must be tested. We're under probation. We have eternal life as we walk in Christ. We have him eternal life as the branch remains in the vine. But if it does not, it will eventually be cut off and burned. And that's just what it means. They'll be cut off from Christ and cast into the lake of fire at the final day of judgment, okay? So he's warning them that we are tested. We have to prove our loyalty at various times, and that's God's right. We have to make willful choices to go against our own nature. So when it says, take up the cross daily and follow me, he means every day your will might be contested because God will want you to do something and you don't want to do it because you have your own desires. But if you're a Christian and you're obedient, you do God's will and you die to your own. See, that's true Christianity. It's not God blessing you with material blessings and all that's a bunch of garbage and lies. You have to prove your faithfulness. One third of the angels proved unfaithful. And so when God created man and let the process go on, those who enter the kingdom, they enter through the pearly gates, they've proven their loyalty. They've stayed with the Lord as Job did. He was the greatest example. I don't know anybody that's got close to him or Paul as far as suffering for Christ or God. Okay, So these are to be expected. We are appointed for such testings, and we have to overcome. Paul, in the Ephesians letter, he said, put on the whole arm of God, resist the devil. He tells you what to do. And if you don't do it, then you go down in defeat. He said, having done all, stand. We can resist and not go down in defeat. The devil can make no one sin. He can make no one disobey the Lord. They choose to under various temptations. But if they walk in the spirit and they obey the Lord where they know, then Paul says there's no temptation that will take you that God will make a way to escape, that you can bear it. So he's saying, if you sin, it's your fault. You didn't stay with the Lord. You didn't get his help. You didn't obey him. You did something, and he stopped. There is no irresistible grace, okay? And so now, when he says this, and three, knowing that we are appointed or destined for testing, okay, you want an example. Jesus gives us one. Matthew 13, the sowing of the seeds. Let's go to 13, verse 20 and 21. The second group, it said, those who receive the seed in stony places. There is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Well, this is what happens when people are born again. When they've really heard the gospel under conviction and they turn to the Lord. Not they're made to say these words, confess the Lord. Well, the multitudes Jesus is going to cast into hell say, Lord, Lord, they believe he's the Lord. That does not save them, okay? So when the Holy Spirit convicts and deals, he regenerates. He enters the Spirit of Christ and the Father come in, and they deal in relationship differently 
than people in the world. And what does he say here? He receives it with joy. His sins are forgiven. His burdens lifted. He doesn't have the guilt. He understands. His conscience is made pure. None of his past sins can judge him anymore. And so he's joyful. He don't have that burden to deal with. Okay? Yet, verse 21, yet he has no root in himself. Aha. Uh-huh. So when people come to the Lord, they still have to make a determination. It isn't, oh, they're saved, that we don't have to worry about them. Well, you're a false teacher if you teach that, okay? Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a little while. So this is what Paul was coming and sending Timothy for to see how they were doing. He knew some would not endure. Some were struggling. Some were enduring. So he wanted Timothy to go and give them the word of the Lord in whatever situation they need it, okay? And he knew it was destined for them to be challenged. Even Paul said heresies have to come to prove those who are sound are the right ones. The devil sends them everywhere in the church. Most churches are led by the devil. They just have a little Christian teaching. Mm -hmm. But they are ruled by him. They're his ministers, okay? They endure for a little while. See, as long as they're happy and feel joyful and they're they're not having no immediate problems, they think Christianity is going to be that way the rest of their life. Well, they're in for a surprise. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles immediately. What does it mean? It means after the good feelings and everything leaves, then all of a sudden his old man is tempted to go back to sinning. Because see, his old nature still likes it. And he's tempted. And rather than resist the temptation and get grounded in God's word and be taught how to overcome it, he just gives in to it. See? So he falls away. He's twice dead. Uh-huh. Even Paul, remember, talked about that. We'll get to that in a minute. They were saved, but they have to endure and live out their probation and warfare by being faithful to Christ. They're not. They don't get rooted. The first thing that Paul, when he was preaching at Acts, when they became disciples, he said, and we must continue in the faith. For through much tribulation we will enter the kingdom. He didn't mince no words of Christians. So nowadays they promise you all the goodies. They don't tell you what you're going to have to contend with because it's a false Christianity that they're giving people. Okay? It's all one-sided. God's the Santa Claus. They don't talk about the wrath of God, his holiness, and that he has never changed. And he will always come against sin and the sinner and in the long run, he will deal with it appropriately, okay? So Timothy will help. He'll establish them so they can be rooted in God. They can live the word to obey God's will. They can learn to withstand the enemy of the soul and that he's going to tempt and test them and afflict them. Uh-huh. So they receive from the Spirit what they need. It'll be taught how to abide and how to obey him and what to do. 
He always appeals to their will. You never find anything automatic. They are told to put on Christ and put off the flesh. After they're saved, see, you've got to fight these things. The old man, which is the corrupt nature, he's still there, but he doesn't have to have rule. The Christian's given the ability to say no to him and keep him in his place. But when people are not grounded and rooted, and after all the feelings are gone and joy, it proves that basically most of what they got didn't do them much good. It didn't lead them to go deeper and seek the Lord. And he's saying you got to get rooted. Why? Because the wind and the storm are going to beat against your house. It's going to beat against you as an olive branch, and it's going to blow your tree down if you don't have good roots. But he's saying it's coming. So there is no Christian that is not tested and proven in his lifetime. That just doesn't happen, okay? So when a person gets the revelation and how to be born again, regenerated, and the gospel is preached under conviction, then he has to be taught how to abide and live in him daily. So the Spirit of Christ in us enables us to live according to the will and word of Christ. But it's not automatic. You have to yield to it. Now, Jesus said, every branch in me, that means every Christian that's come to me, if he doesn't bear fruit, my father will cut him off and he'll be burned. He's telling you something. He's telling the Christian, you have to bear fruit. If you stay in me and you abide in me and do my will, then you'll bear fruit. My life will see to it that you bear fruit. But if you don't obey and follow me, you cannot bear fruit because I don't give these things to the wicked. And if you become wicked, that's what happens. The life of Christ stops flowing through you. That's why Paul made some strong statements to the Corinthians. He'd warned some of them to repent of some of the sins they did. And when he came back, he said to some of them, perhaps you've been disqualified. He laid the list. You're probably not as, oh, you can't lose yourself. You most certainly can. And most of them in our day that become Christians are going to be lost because they're not going to stay with the Lord. They're going to fall away. We're living in dark times, okay? So the false are once saved, always saved. They know very little about staying saved by abiding in the vine and becoming fruitful. And if they don't, they aren't laid aside. They're not just carnal Christians. They're going to be cast in the lake of fire as worthless servants. And they're going to be punished greater because they rejected Christ and were given extra grace. That's what's going to happen. Okay, People, they should not be pacified with lies. Make them feel good. So they can, they want to go to church and feel good, and then they can live the rest of the week the way they want to. Well, that's false Christianity, okay? Verse 4, for indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. See, they knew the Jews were already stirring up trouble for them because they were getting results, and the results was getting to the Jewish community, and they didn't like it. And it came to pass, as you know, they abused us and drove us out. He's saying, you know that. 
we warned you what was going to happen. We will suffer conflict and tribulation, affliction, for the world hates you as it did Jesus. Well, it was proven it to him, huh? The devil will stir up wicked men to persecute you, while your old man, your base nature, will want to lead you back to the world, to the pleasures of sin for a season, the self-indulgent life. So it doesn't stop when you become a Christian. Actually, it increases. When you're in the world, the Bible says, Jesus in the world loves its own. Even though they are hateful and spiteful, there's certain people that'd rather be around. They'd rather be at the bar drinking and getting drunk and carousing than being with some do-gooder. See, they reveal their nature. That's what they are. They like the pleasures of sin for a season. But they're going to give an account for it. Nothing's overlooked. See, they could be horrified at the day of judgment when a whole lifetime of sins goes before them in a few seconds. And every idle word they will be accounted for. Holiness will break out, and God will break out as a consuming fire. That's what the lake of fire is, the wrath of God. God is everywhere. There is no place he is not. And his wrath and contempt and anger will be toward those in hell for eternity. There is no more mercy. There's no good thinking toward them. They've become as devils. And he didn't redeem them. And he didn't offer them redemption. That's the wrath of God. Okay? So we experienced, and they were experiencing some of the same troubles and persecution. No one gets saved and gets your ticket to heaven and forsakes Christ and lives with the devil. These are lying shepherds. These false shepherds promise easy believism. Once saved, always saved. A license to sin. Oh, I've heard Christians tell me that for years. I've been in it 50-some years. Well, you'll just be a carnal Christian and you won't get no rewards, but you can still sin because our spirit saved and it can't sin. To tell you that. Well, I find that amazing. Paul said, May the God of peace sanctify you, whole spirit, soul, and body, implying the spirit may not be sanctified. It's the human spirit. It ain't Christ's spirit. Uh -huh. Yes, it can sin. It can be defiled. It can turn away from the Lord. See, people don't understand a human, when God created him out of the earth, he breathed his spirit and gave man a spirit. And he joined that spirit with the earth, the minerals of the earth, and he became a living soul. So a living soul is body, soul, and spirit. The body's left behind. The spirit soul is you. One of them's not going to go to heaven sinless while the other one goes to hell, a wicked person. It's not going to happen. If you live a wicked life in your soul, you're going to hell. I don't care what kind of experience you had before. It don't work. So your personality and who you are is a spirit soul. And as far as a being, they're one. When the sperm joins the egg, it becomes a different creation. It's not the father, the male. It's not the female. It's, it's a new creation. And that's what happens when God made a living soul. Okay?
So the false teachers tell you everything to make you feel good, excuse your sins, and makes you feel wonderful. He lies to you and gives you a false peace. Oh, I've heard people go down at the mourner's bench and try to confess their sins, and the minister goes right up and says, you don't need to do that, you're already saved. And the person's conscience damns them and tells them they're wicked and fallen away. And that minister will sit there and try to convince that person he's okay. You can imagine the hell he's going to. <laughs> the same one the Pharisees are going to. They're blind teachers. And those who followed them will both end up in the lake of fire. It's inexcusable. People say, well, I didn't have a teacher. That's your fault. You're not going to be able to blame the false teacher. You're going to be told you got what you deserved. You didn't resist it. You didn't challenge it. You just were gullible. And you wanted him to do that so you could live your own life. You reveal what you are. That's enough. But like I say, it ain't going to take long. Everybody will come into judgment and God will reveal all things will come to the light, to the truth. Okay. Five, for this reason, what reason? I told you you'd be afflicted like we were, and you would come under tribulations and troubles. For this reason, what I could endure no longer, I sent to you to find out how your faith was going. For I did fear that the tempter, that's the devil, might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. See, he knew how the process worked. When he went to Jewish synagogues two or three Sabbaths in his journeys to the Roman world, most of them rejected him. But he always got one or two, a few, who became Christians. And these Jewish righteous Jews who turned to the Lord, the gospel, they were brought into the Gentile church, and they could teach them a lot of things that the Gentiles didn't know about the Old Testament. You can see God's wisdom there. Then they understood things that they didn't really understand before. What they had, what their privileges were. That they were the new Jerusalem. They were the spiritual priesthood. They were the true Jew. See, Paul said a Jew is not one who's outward, but one who's inward, his spirit. So he clarifies that also. A true Christian is a true spiritual Jew. A Jew that doesn't have Christ is a pagan. He's wicked and he's headed for hell. Care what his bodily genealogy is, don't affect him whatsoever. Okay. So he knew the working of the devil would challenge these things. So he wanted to send someone to find out what was going on. He knew Timothy would and know how to handle the situation. Because knowing man's changeability, the devil's evil drawing away, and he knew your true state, he wants to know what's going on. Remember the Galatians, we say that. Paul had a strong word. You don't hear the grease of graces and once saved, always saved talking about this. They'd fallen away, gone back to the law. And he said, you began in the spirit and now you're going to be justified through the flesh? No. Now, the eternal security people, they use that to exclude works. So they mishandle the word of God. They said, oh, you're saved no matter if you do anything spiritually. That's the lying gospel, okay? That damns many. But he says to them, 
Perhaps Christ will be formed in you again. Oh, what has he said? He's not being mocking. He's saying you've fallen out of Christ. You've gone back to the law, to Judaism, to be justified. You've laid aside your faith in Christ and your coming. Perhaps, he said, I'll labor that perhaps Christ will be formed in you. Perhaps God will give you the gift of repentance. Why the perhaps? Because God might not do it in some people. That's his prerogative. He said he will be gracious to whom he will be gracious, and he'll harden whom he will. So when those trampled the blood of Christ, he may not show mercy on some of them. That's his prerogative. Uh That's blaspheme in the spirit. Now, grant you, and I know from experience, most Christians that backslide, they stay that way, but I know that some come back. Months later, weeks later, maybe a year later, they go through things and they reevaluate and they repent and they come back. So God still offers it, but there's no guarantee when you trample the blood of Christ what the Spirit can do. And he is God, and he determines, I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. So he may decide in some cases, "Uh uh-uh, this person's been given too much and have spurned me, and I'm not going to. That's what happened to King Saul. And Samuel kept praying for him. And the Lord said, why do you pray for him, seeing I've rejected him? God didn't hear his prayers in him. And Moses and Samuel were the greatest of intercessors. The prophets tell us that. There was a time when Israel was so wicked, God said, if Moses and Samuel stood before me, I wouldn't listen. That means if anybody could move me, Moses and Samuel knew how to do it, but he couldn't move him when it came to Saul. Okay? So many people have to be born again and again. They have to come back to the Lord and get right. People don't lose their salvation instantly, but God doesn't abide with them for a long time. Revelations, when he was reproving the false teachers and the Christians, he said, I gave her, Jezebel, the religious falseness, he said, I gave her time to repent, and she chooses not to. And Paul said, repent quickly. And Jesus said, repent quickly. He's not abiding 10 or 20 years and you remain a Christian while you're living in adultery for a year. That don't happen. He's talking about he gives you a few days or we, he's going to consider this and warn you and correct you. And if you stop bearing fruit, you live in gross sin long enough, you can't bear fruit. And he withdraws his life. Oh, you can be religious, but you can't have the fruit of Christ in you, okay? So he's saying Timothy will evaluate your spiritual state and give you correction and instruction of what to do. So there were always some sound ones. There were some fallen away ones. There were lukewarm, carnal, misguided. It always has that to happen when people have come to the Lord. It follows, okay? Because the devil of the world and the old man is not pleased, okay? The devil will be. The carnal man perceives not the things of God. They are foolishness to him, okay? Nor can he, lest the spirit gives enlightenment 
They can't understand it. The wicked shall never understand. See, the truth's kept from them. God isn't interested in proving anything to them. And by the way, when Jesus ascended bodily after 40 days and went up for the 10 days, when he left and the angels took him up in a cloud, said he's going up in a cloud, said there were over 500 witnesses chosen by God. There were no sinners there. See, people of the world say, well, he should have done it to sinners and proved it. Well, that's what the Pharisees said. But the Lord said, they don't give no sign to the wicked. He got enough to prove to them. He would give signs and confirmation to the faithful at times. But he said, chosen of God. Isn't that interesting? See, he doesn't think like the world thinks. So he's saying, I did not want to leave you. For the devil could have already led many astray back into the worldly life outside Christ, okay? Then our labor for you would have been vain, empty, or useless. But we're going to clarify this because many people misinterpret this. We're still in verse 5. Because some of you will not last. But a person's salvation, leading people to the Lord, and if they backslip, there's no problem with you. You get your reward for laboring. What a person does with is their business. It's not yours. So you can give the true gospel. Most people that get the gospel, the true gospel, don't receive it. The Spirit convicts them. They get uncomfortable. They begin to say, oh, I I can't live this way because people make fun of me and my family won't like me being a, a religious. So they make decisions and they fight it. But the one who watered and planted did their duty to God. They'll be rewarded as a good worker, regardless of the person. We can't do nothing about what the person decides and wants to do. That's on him. That's not on us. Okay? Why, even the Lord said, many are called, but few are chosen. Called to the gospel, but they're not chosen in Christ because they don't respond to the conviction and turn to the Lord and turn from the wicked world. So God's will is not that any perish, but that all come to the knowledge of truth. Well, his will's not being done now. Most of the people of the world are not going to make it. But it doesn't mean it wasn't God's will. He said he died for all, especially to those who are saved. Why? Because they receive him. The others don't. But he died for all mankind, okay? He didn't die for an elect special group like the false teachers teach. Uh Uh-uh. Now get this. So whether a Christian's, his service or ministry we do today, whether it's received or not, it's not our responsibility. You, You can warn, you can instruct. That person does what he wants to do. He has a will. We plant and water, and if they endure for just a little while, that's their business. We admonish, we correct, and then Paul said, even a heretic, I only want them two or three times, they won't have enough to do with them. He didn't keep hounding them. See, they have a right to make their decisions and live the way they want to. That's between them and God. Now, Noah was called the friend of God. He was very righteous. And it implies he preached for 120 years before the flood. And there were no converts. That didn't alter him, did it? He still preached. He warned, he admonished. People say, well, his family, well, we're going to talk about that too. His family 
as far as we know, were saved because they obeyed their father's instruction. Never talks about their righteousness, their special walk with the Lord. It said Noah found grace. Didn't say his children did, the grown three sons and daughters-in-law. They may or may not have, but they're not mentioned. Isn't that interesting? Okay. So no one can be saved, kept, and endure to the end who does not practice and submit to what he's been given. Okay. Many may begin the waste, but they don't finish. That is not on us. Many a sound teacher only has a few people that listen. And the more people you have, you wonder how much you've compromised the truth in this age. Never look at numbers. If you got two people or 200, it'll mean nothing to God. You preach the word, you teach it, and let it fall where it needs to fall. You don't compromise it to please people because then you're a false teacher. You'll get what King Saul got. He feared the people more than he did the Lord. Uh huh. The fear of man is a snare. That's why many people don't come to the Lord. They're worried about what their loved ones and family and friends will think. At the day of judgment, those people will probably be in hell. And their opinion won't count for nothing. And they're not going to ever think about you again, and you're not going to think about them. You're going to be tormented day and night. So people worry their whole eternal destiny because so-and-so might think, make, make me feel like a fool. He might call me a Christian and mock me. Well, fear of man is a snare. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll tell you a story I heard once. I do, you know, I won't go into details. But a hundred years ago or more, there was an evangelist who converted many over his ministry. Yet 30 years later, most were not serving the Lord in practicality. Okay? There was another one who was stricter, and he was called hard by most Christians. He preached for many years, and 30 years later, 90% of the people were still serving the Lord. It's because they most likely got the true gospel and didn't get a watered-down version. Isaiah 49, verse 4. And then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. It was probably Noah. Can you imagine preaching, being called righteous and doing God's will, and not one person comes to the Lord? Isn't that interesting? He didn't care. He kept doing what God told him to do. That's it. So Noah was a preacher of righteousness. They would not endure it no more than they will in this end times we're starting in. It will be as the time of Noah and Lot. Their families got in for obeying and staying with the Father. Before we finish the lesson, look at Ezekiel 14, verse 14 and verse 20. Yet at one time in Ezekiel, he speaks the people were so evil. What did God say? He said something really interesting. He said, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, they would be saved for their own righteousness, but not their sons or daughters. Isn't that interesting? Uh-huh. He was saying so much grace and extra, he wasn't going to wink at certain things like he did with Noah's family and stuff. They got in 
because they obeyed their father and stayed with him, and they weren't excessively wicked, because God would have taken care of them if they were. So we proclaim the word of Christ before Christ. We live it, and he hears the sound teaching. So any ministry we do, always remember to shut what people think out. It don't matter what they think. Many of those people go be in the lake of fire. It doesn't matter what they think. Their opinion don't mean nothing. Total discontent, disregard, and contempt by God. He's not weeping and crying for the people in hell. They're experiencing his wrath and horror. He despises their wicked soul because they're like the devil. And hell was made for the devil and his angels. But it was enlarged for wicked mankind. God has the solution. He's the great economist. He doesn't waste anything. Even garbage can be burned. In the smoke of their torment, the scripture says, will ascend before the Lamb and his angels forever as a memorial of God's holiness and judgment against sin. That's what's going to happen. Let's close. Lord, give us wisdom how to live before you and not consider the results if we do what you tell us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.